This time in the Magic Kitchen, we are joined by Bruja Curandera, Wendy Mata. I'm Leander Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to the Magic Kitchen podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. Magic Kitchen Podcast is funded and supported by thewitchwoodteahouse.com, offering a variety of hand-blended loose leaf teas, as well as loose herbs for all of your ritual, spell work, wellness, and everyday enjoyment needs. If you would like to support this podcast while sipping a great cup of tea, head over to thewitchwoodteahouse.com and find the magic that's in store for you. Oh, my. So it's December (laughs) and there's lots happening and nothing at all. I don't know. (laughs) Well, we have something huge that we're celebrating. Yes, yes, yes. yes. This month. Do you want to tell them, Mm -hmm. Leandra? We have reached 250,000 downloads. I can't believe it. (laughs) It's amazing. I cannot believe it. It is so amazing. I never thought it would go this far. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like our listeners are what make this happen. And honestly, you guys are the only reason we do this, because if it was just Elise and I sitting here talking, we would just talk. We wouldn't hit record. We wouldn't let you listen in because a lot of the conversations we have are just us bantering on things like, oh, this is a cool subject. Let's talk about it because we don't write scripts. I know a lot of podcasts do that. But literally, you are listening in on our conversations that we would normally have together. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> if and, nobody cared, we wouldn't hit record. <laughs> and knowing that you're listening and hearing from you as listeners is really what drives us on. So if you're yeah. ever hesitating, you're like, oh, they're probably too busy. They don't want to read nope. my. No, we do. We really do. Just because we're online and we we have a limited means of interaction in that way. Yeah. We both strive to imitate real life experience as best we can. Like that's why when I host workshops, if you've ever attended one, you know, I I encourage us to have our cameras on and, you know, I'd let people jump in with questions in the chat. And then at the end, we always have at least 30 minutes where we're just hanging out because there's something important about that, that we don't want to lose. So if we don't want to feel like we're talking to the void, like we're not, we're not a listen to our own voices (laughs) type of people. So (laughs) this is for you. And if you're loving it, we would love to hear from you. Yes, please. And we actually yes. got an awesome message from our yes. listener, Caleb. Oh, Shout out to Caleb. I'm... And he gave us permission to read a bit of, of his message. So I wanted to share this with y'all. And maybe you can relate. And if you can, definitely reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please. I wanted to express my undying gratitude for the work that you both have done for this community. Your podcast came up in my recommended and I decided to take a listen. I have never felt such an instant connection with two people I have never met before or such a sense of belonging in a community. I had struggled with my spirituality for so long, but I am happy to say that your podcast has helped me 
has helped guide me to fully realize my path and work towards my craft every day. I am so thankful for you and the work you do. Your guidance and wisdom has truly helped me in ways I cannot even begin to express. (sighs) (laughs) I literally get so emotional when I read these. Yes. It just doesn't always feel like there's people on the other end when we press upload. (laughs) (laughs) So when we hear from you, like, (sighs) thank you. Thank you, Caleb. And please reach out. You can email us at magickitchenpodcast at gmail.com. You can message us on socials. I'm I'm on Instagram, I think, more than anywhere. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, reach and, out. and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts like that helps oh tremendously gosh, help us so reach much. other people. But your reviews the what you say in your reviews of how much you love the podcast helps others instantly see the connection that we offer. Yeah. And it, it, like that's really what it's about. We're trying to connect with everyone out there. We're trying to connect with our community. We're trying to show our community that it's OK to be present and to fully do the things that you feel right are right for your path. Yeah. And, and even Caleb's yeah. message, he was like, mm. you ca- you showed up in my recommended. That right, happened right. because that others were five starring us. Yes. Yes. These algorithms, they need humans so, to make do. them work in our favor. So please help us that way. <laughs> I'm so irritated with algorithms, but they are the relevant in this day and age. <laughs> well, and, and we can manipulate them to our, our needs mm-hmm. if we, support and show support on the posts and and right to the people that we the things that matter to us yeah yeah absolutely and yeah like even recording this there's you know so much going on in our lives like taking that five minutes it goes further than just oh i'm gonna slap a five star review on something and move on it it it's got longevity it really does yeah yeah there's reviews that (laughs) someone someone joined my community on Patreon recently and they were like, there was a review somebody left where they talked about the way that you um, allow people to something about like the, the review. And I looked, that review had been posted in like over a year ago. Yeah. So (laughs) even if you do something and you think, "Eh, no one will read it. Like they will. They do. And you're making a difference for people in the future too. Yeah. It's amazing. So I, as we record this, I'm still in the States Yes, and I have one more <laughs> workshop, which as if you're listening mm. to this today, it came out. It is tomorrow. And I'm doing this one in Haverty Grace at a shop called Haven. And I'm teaching a Connecting to Land Spirits workshop in person there. So this will be the last chance for the foreseeable future to meet me in person if you're in the yeah. in the area of like, you know, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Jersey, Delaware. Just come on over. I'd love to meet you. I'd yeah. love to meet you. I wish there was a way. Like, I'm grateful for the internet because obviously none of this would be possible without it. But right. I do wish there were more <laughs> ways to interact in person. So I went overboard and I did seven workshops in seven weeks to meet as many people as I could in this tri-state area. <laughs> so so if, you, if you're if you near enough, make the drive. I would seriously make love to meet yeah, you. Yeah, do it. We still do have it. a few tickets available. Yeah. And and if you can't, we can, you can always connect with us through our community platforms and, you know, both of us host live events and that sort of thing where you can directly interact with us. And, yeah, I am grateful for the Internet as much as it, you know, seems like a frustration at times. I am grateful for it because without it, we would not be able to reach and connect and create the community that we create. And that I love that. And I think that during this time of year, it's so important to know that we're not alone, that there oh, are yeah. others out there who love what we love and 
want to grow and the same way we want to grow. And I, yeah, I'm like this time of year is so busy for me because I'm filling orders. I'm running the tea shop. I'm running everything else. And I literally spend most of my day packaging orders, filling orders, you know, putting labels on bags because everything I do is hand done. It's all hand done. So if you order for me, know that everything, every package that you get, I have touched it in some way. (laughs) And it's one of those things where, you know, you can't rush things that are quality. And the same goes for community. The same goes for connections to the people in our community. We can't, you can't just mass produce that. And I love the fact that this time of year, we can really hone in on that and connect with our community and connect with those we love, not through just, you know, family and friends, but in the ether, in the interweb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this month in my Patreon community, in the Magical Living community on Patreon, I'm sharing rituals and resources and shadow work to help us manage the loneliness of the holidays and to invite the kind of energy that inspires rather than the stagnant energy Mm. that can kind of lead us into a depression at this time of year. So actually, I'm really excited about the full moon ritual that we'll do around Yule to banish winter blues. It's a spell jar that we're going to put together. So awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see you over there. And you can start on a free trial. You don't have to pay or, you know, it's a whole week that you could just take take a look around and see if you even like it. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Rebel Mystic community, we are focusing on magical medicines. And this month, we are going to focus on the witch's mind. So we are focusing on mood lifting, making tincture in a magical sense that, um, helps you know b- boost that mood boost our immunity boost our perception and our cognitive function all with herbs and magic and you know getting ourselves set up for the new year for 2024 oh my god it's right around the corner can you believe that mm-hmm. i know i know i know i'm putting together the work that we'll do in january and i'm trying to harness harness it's so hard because we don't want the new year to stress us out and make us unwilling yes. to to grow oh. like it can shut right. us down so yes. I'm putting together, uh, you know, I always do a witchy vision board with everybody yeah. in January and then looking at your spiritual path for the year ahead. But then also like, you know, some tarot spreads. That's what I'm working on now is a, a more unique tarot spread than the usual, like draw a card for the year, you know, <laughs> trying to deepen it a bit there. So past, present, future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the same yeah. ones. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Tarot is such a rich, a rich tool. And I actually just mm-hmm. got my first Oracle deck ever. Um, yeah. I had never worked with Oracle cause I just had never really found a deck that called to me and Aaron Murphy, Hiscock, who the author of green magic and, uh, the house, Witch as well. And quite a few great books. Um, mm-hmm. she just came out with the green, Witch Oracle that's right up my alley. So nice. I <laughs> got myself a deck and I'm excited to dive in. So yeah, stay mm-hmm. tuned. I'm not sure once I've worked with it a bit more, I might even, do some trial oracle readings for folks just to get used to that kind of card. But but yeah, I'm doing my Wildwood Tarot readings too anytime. So if you're looking for a, a new year yep. look at your tr- at your world tree path, <laughs> book that reading because it's, it's, yeah, we're coming into that time. It is. It's yeah, a weird it energy is. this time of year. Even though we, we talk is. about like Samhain as the new year for witches. And at Samhain, it's a nice time because no one else... The collective energy isn't focused on the new year, so it gives us that space to 
to only focus on ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, the egregore of, of New Year's resolutions and all that starts really getting it's in our heads strange. right about now. Yeah. And I don't set New Year's resolutions. I don't do that because yeah, me to me, it's it not disingenuous is not the right word. It's cliche at this point. You know, like I'm always working on myself. I'm always trying to do better. Like maybe I'll set new goals, like fiscal goals <laughs> type thing, but not necessarily spiritual ones. Um. It's more the mundane. So I, I guess, yeah, in Samhain, I'm focusing more on the spiritual side of things, my shadow work, my you know spiritual goals. But then when the Gregorian year turns, then I'm focused on the more mundane goals. So yeah. there, yeah, it's almost like we get two New Year's within a few weeks of each other. So mm-hmm. eh, I guess that's not too bad. <laughs> that's That's why I always do the vision boards, because it's yeah. not a specific goal. It's this is what I'd like my path to look like during sure. this year. Because yeah. that pressure of, okay, I have 12 months. By the end, I need to, is just. To. Wendy Mata is a Bruja Curandera by lineage and an initiated shaman and the founder of Bruja Power Botanica. After a successful career in tech, Working for Fortune 500 companies, she retired to pursue her lifetime passion of promoting the healing arts of Mexico. Beautiful. Welcome, Wendy. (laughs) Welcome. It's great to have you. We have a lot of listeners who message us or email us with questions about the path that you're on. So I think it's really timely that we're having you on to discuss your path. Um, So we'd like to start there. What is Bruja Curandera as a practice and a path? And for our listeners of that lineage, how can they get started? Absolutely. Well, uh, brujeria will be the, I guess the translation to brujeria is witchcraft. But one of the main differences between brujeria and witchcraft is that brujeria has a lot of practices that are correlated to Native American practices. Um, it also has a lot of healing intertwined, although, of course, witchcraft, it's also healing in many ways, in many levels, but our type of healing is much more um, uh, native. So our practices are the practices that were practiced by our ancestors for hundreds of years. Um, another layer of is that for some people, it's not a secular practice a lot of the people that practice brujeria also works with catholic saints and works with uh, some of the aspects of christianity and this is because with colonization a way for us to rescue our ancestral practices was by taking our own deities and converting them into catholic deities and catholic saints and at this point in mexico mexico has a lot of catholicism and i feel like a lot of people actually lost the view of while you're practicing is a native practice, even that now it's um, shown as Catholicism. So I feel like one of my roles um, 
in my mission to really promote our practices is to just remind people that they have the opportunity to dig a little deeper and actually see the roots of the wisdom and knowledge that they carry within. This doesn't mean that their Catholic practices are wrong. I'm not saying that. If that's the path for some, that is that is fine. That is good. Uh, but what I'm saying is that it goes beyond that. It goes beyond what was told for us when we were... Uh, uh, by the Spanish, basically. I'm trying to find the proper words without being offensive. <laughs> well, we were colonized, that's the word. Uh, but it goes beyond that. And also curanderismo. Like, a curandero is a healer, and is the healer that was in the towns. It's up to today, it actually exists. You will go to a healer, a curandera, for certain ailments that we knew were ailments of the soul. Uh, for example, one of the most traditional ailments that we uh, work with as curanderas, curanderos, is working with the defragmentation of the soul and bringing back the pieces of the soul. We do something called curar del susto, which is healing a fear in a way, or if there's something that shocks you emotionally, physically, spiritually, we believe that a piece of you leaves. So it's kind of like the process of shamanism of soul retrieval, but a little different in a way. And we work in bringing back the pieces of the soul of the people that comes to us for us to help them reconstruct their reality. We also believe that when you are going through susto, if you are not bringing back the pieces of the soul, you're going to be leaking your energy. And when you're leaking your energy, then the consequence is that there is uh, spiritual attacks, that there is, you, you start feeling tired, you start feeling not yourself, you start feeling like your body, it's all over the place. And there's really no um, medical explanations to these things. Of course, I believe in science. I'm an engineer by trade. I study industrial mechanical engineering, and then I work in technology for a really long time. So I'm all about science. But I, as a bruja curandera, I also believe that some of those aspects of our own wellness, they are more spiritual. So when somebody is in the path of brujería and the path of curanderismo, really what it is, is reconnecting into our ancestors, into our lineage, honoring our ancestors, honoring our ancient practices, but also finding our own ways to be true to, to uh, true to who we are as a collective and helping us at that collective heal. We are here to offer our gifts and services to other people so that we can also facilitate the journey. Of course, we boundaries, right? Like there's also that. Uh, the belief system that which is healer shamans don't have boundaries and they're supposed to just give, 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 give. And then they were fussing up, perpetuating that colonization of don't have any boundaries. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like, we're here to help the world heal. And one of the things that I also believe as a bruja, as a curandera, is that we have the responsibility, first of all, to heal ourselves, to heal our trauma, to heal our lineage, to heal the wounds of our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, because as colonized cultures, we have these wounds, these fears, these um problems that they go beyond our own understanding. We have to go back hundreds of years and talk to our ancestors and heal our ancestors and facilitate the processes of our ancestors for us to live a better life and also to shift our path and shift our future. 
in my practices, we believe that we have the ability to change reality, but not just this present time. We can also go back to the past. We can be these in this present timeline, and then we can also go in the future. We can go in the future and kind of like talk to the versions of us that we are and that we will be based on how we change our past. That's a little um, rabbit holy slash Doctor Strange slash science fictiony, but that's at least how many of us brujas curanderas and shamans see the world. I love that. That's really, I'm, I'm a Greek American. Um, like I have, I have both nationalities, both passports and I live in Greece now, but, um, with, within the Greek practice, it's the same thing. Like there's a lot of folk practices that have outlasted the Christian colonization because people think of Greek, uh, orthodoxy as like a Greek religion, but it, it was, it was colonized. You know, they were pagans much, much longer than the 1500 years that they've been Christian. And um, within that, there's a lot of people who see Mother Mary and in Greek Orthodoxy, she is, she's called the Theotokos or the Panagia, the mother of all, the, the great mother. And, you know, that's not a coincidence. Like, I do think that is emblematic of the saints being converted from goddesses you know, it's it's like the, the highest form of that in a way. And the folk practices, you know, now basil is sacred to Jesus, but basil has always been sacred as well, you know. Um, and and so, too, like time is not linear in our practices. Like we don't see uh, culturally, even outside of religion, time is is something that we can we can mold and manipulate. And, and I will say that is a very lost skill today. There's not a lot of people who will openly have that conversation in Greece and they are very superstitious here. So if I said, oh, I want to go back and heal my ancestral line, they'd be like, no, no, pray to God. God can do that. That I I, don't touch that. Like I would not do that. (laughs) So I find it really empowering to hear that. uh, Does that that right? It's all good. I I I want to want to say it right. Um, <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> so I think it's great that there is a resurgence of that, and 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 that there's people that can can still learn that lineage, and and it empowers people to not say, oh, we lost it, it's gone. Right. Like, no, time's not linear. So why does that mean you can't revive a practice that your ancestors had? It's amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yes. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, while you were talking, it when you were talking about like the losing of lineage and in incorporating the um, aspects of Catholicism into the bu- bruje. Oh my God. But so for some reason, the, the image of the black Madonna came to my mind. Do you work with her at all? I know like she's really popular in France right now and coming back to the roots of dark goddesses and that sort of thing. Are are there any aspects to that in the healing process that you use? Because I know in shadow work, what I work with, it is more of a shamanic aspect. So yes, we work with the mother line and we work with healing and, and um, making the soul whole again so that you're not leaking the energy, like you said. And and that like, like oh, yay, someone else does that too. <laughs> you know, you get that little excitement like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not weird. <laughs> We are weird, but we have we, I love weird. it. Yes, it's good weird. And so for some reason, like the image of the Black Madonna came into my mind. I was just like, how does that relate? 
Interesting. You know, I had a very uh, unexpected spiritual experience in France, mm. uh, in Carcassonne. I went with my husband and my daughter to Carcassonne uh, right before the pandemic. And we just went there because my husband is a gamer, like a board gamer, and Carcassonne is a big deal for the board gamers. It is. <laughs> we went there, he just like, he could take pictures and show them with his board gaming friends that we went to Carcassonne. I knew nothing about Carcassonne, but I love traveling. So I was like, yeah, let's just go, whatever. As long as I can be myself and not persecuted and burned, I'm good. I'll go. And we went to Carcassonne. And in Carcassonne, there was this energy that I had which I believe it was a little bit of the Black Madonna energy but also very Mary Magdalene uh I didn't know anything about it until we left and I was just having all these feelings and sensations and I asked who are you and I heard oh Mary Magdalene but it was the the dark goddess archetype of Mary Magdalene and she was having these conversations with me when I was in a cargo zone about our own healing and our our own sensuality and sexuality and accepting pleasure as one of the ways of healing uh so I do believe that there's a lot of that I believe that there's a lot of that dark goddess archetype coming back to us because part of colonization and patriarchy in my personal point of view is that we started believing the separation between dark and light without really accepting our own darkness and really accepting what was actually told that it was dark. Like, why is pleasure dark? Why is embracing our own fears dark? Why is our own rage dark? It's such as a teacher. We can connect so much into that energy and heal through that energy. It doesn't mean that we're not compassionate to other people and we go and destroy houses and burn shit right doesn't mean that it just means that we're honoring our own stuff um so to to what you're asking i believe that that's coming a lot i don't necessarily work with a lot of the saints although i was raised catholic and also very witchy which is a really interesting combination um it was I think part of my family is very Catholic and part of my family is very spiritual. And then they went on and off into this Catholic system. I went to church every Sunday. I now feel like I demand my time time back, to be honest. And now I think like, oh my God, all the time that I had to go to church and sit there just to like, will make my abuela happy, right? (laughs) Uh, So I don't really work a lot with Catholicism, but I do think that those are some of the ways that these gods and goddesses and deities are coming back to us. They are finding ways of communicating with us so that we can go back and revisit those practices. I also had a a very interesting um, situation or experience that happened to me last year. It was September of last year and I was uh, having a dinner with this guy that lives in my community or used to live in my community. I think he married and left. And uh, we were talking about the possibility of creating an in-person coven where I live and just kind of like for the community. And he uh, is a, uh, he, I think it was a, a Baptist, uh, it's not priest, but I don't know what are they called, uh, shepherd, I don't know how they call like the, the people that runs the Baptist church, where are they called? I don't even know. Um, like not a Pastor? bishop. Yeah, a pastor. He a was pastor. a Baptist pastor that became a witch. He was like sharing with me all his experiences and stuff. And he was saying that he became a witch because he was having this conversation with his God at that point, his Christian God. And he realized that there was many gods and he realized there was many deities. And I asked him in the table. He was on the other side of the table. I was on this side of the table. I had sparkling water in front of me. I had a cup of sparkling water in the middle of the table. And I asked 
him, hey, do you actually think that it is okay to connect to other deities? Do you think that we can reach out to other deities, even if there's no connection in our own ancestral practices? Let's say I'm Mexican, and I know that I have roots in Spain and Britain and other places because of colonization, but what about if I want to talk to let's say Odin or Tor or somebody that I don't think I have any connection. Do you think that's okay? And I was just kind of like asking his perspective, right? Without necessarily appropriating anybody's beliefs. And I kid you not, we were having this conversation and there was my sparkling water on the table and it moved. The water went from the middle of the table to the other side of the table, right in front of me, right in front of him. I was like, okay. So we're receiving a confirmation that it is the time to have those conversations with those deities and that we can see what we can do for each other. It's not just a take, take, take relationship, oh. right? It's a relationship of how can we have these conversations so that I honor you and what you bring to the world Yes, and yeah. we heal together. I love, and, and I like that, the, the, the togetherness of it, the, the community of it. And I think that's what we miss when we're so stuck in that dichotomy of good and evil, right or wrong, can, can't. Um, now I, I don't want to touch into that on the, the closed practices because some closed practices are closed for a reason, right? but there is still, we're still in the presence of spirit. And I think spirit is so much bigger than we give it credit for, or that our little minds, our little human minds want to, um, admit that spirit sometimes just doesn't care about these divides that humans place. And if we can just kind of get past that, if we can do our shadow work, if we can, if we can, you know, do our soul retrieval and and do our healing enough to realize that, that we are such a small point in this vast cosmic picture, you know, if, if you think of a picture as being little dots of color and strategically placed to play a role. And if we just kind of let go of our ego in a way, it, the collective ego and our personal ego and realize that spirit is so much bigger than cultural divides and, and colonization and all these other things that we, that we put as a block to our spiritual path that I just, I love that, that we can talk about that here. <laughs> you know, I personally don't believe that brujeria is a close practice. And this is because brujeria takes a lot into the native practices yet, but yes, but also it takes a lot of information and wisdom from Spanish practices and British practices and French practices and African practices. Uh, I believe that it is available to all because we don't own it. I also believe that we don't own any wisdom at all. Some of us are wisdom keepers, but we're also wisdom sharers. I personally don't feel like I have the authority to tell other people, no, 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 you can't light a candle in that way, or you cannot use those herbs. I don't own it. My only role is to be an anchor of the information that is being given to me and to invite people to take it from an ethical perspective, from a kind perspective, from a loving perspective, instead of using these life-changing practices to hurt others. That's just my opinion. There are other things that I will consider close practices, such as the methods of my grandmother, for example, or the methods of my great-grandmother. There are reasons why they do the things that they do, and they were passing to us through our lineage. They were communicated from my great-grandmother to my grandmother, and so on, and so on, and so on, until they came to me. And then I'm going to communicate them to my daughter, and then she's going to communicate it to her kids if she chooses to have kids. Uh, 
that those are like very personal family methods. But I also have found in my own journey that I also have to question those methods because just because my grandma or my great grandmother did things in a certain way, it doesn't necessarily mean that it may be the best way. I respect it. I honor it. I see it. I make a space for it in my life. I make an altar for it. I honor it. I make a mantra for it. But maybe some of those practices are coming from their own wounds. Maybe they're coming from their own trauma. Maybe they were coming from their own abuse that they felt in a way. So I think that a lot of our practices in general in the world are open practices, but the certain systems and ways, those are the ones that are closed because they are too family. There's also uh, uh, right now a challenge actually that I'm going through myself is who do we share the wisdom? Because while I don't feel like I have the right to say, yes, you can be my student. No, you cannot be my student. Yes, you can be my student. Because I'm feeling like I'm violating a little bit the code of I'm giving you the information to share, Wendy. This is the reason. But also, I sometimes go through the struggle of, is this person going to use it for good? Is this person going to learn from me how to manipulate a chakra, how to open or close somebody's auric field, how to insert energies on certain centers of the body? If I am sharing this wisdom with this person, is this person going to use it for good? Or is this person going to be one day pissed off and not have an ethical system and go hurt someone and cause someone an illness or even death? Because our practices are so powerful and so strong that you can actually do that. Like any witch that has been in this for a while knows that we have the ability to change um, the outcomes of things, right? So I'm going myself through this process of, okay, what are the filters that I can implement that I still honor the fact that the wisdom is being given to me and I'm meant to share it, but, but without necessarily putting it on the wrong hands, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes that's challenging. Sense. Yeah, I think about that with social media. It's 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 hard to know that anything we put out there is viewed by anyone who wants to see it. And, and I guess anybody can manipulate anything to, you know, be any, any perspective, like you said, like they can take knowledge that is meant to heal and decide to use it for harm. And I, and while I don't think that's on us, you know, like, in a way that's almost like victim blaming to say it is on us. Like if we share, you know, like we had a demonolatrist on um, uh, S. Connolly is her name. And we talked about cursing. We talked about hexing. We talked about binding. We talked about all these like really, you know, baneful magic practices that people can do. Uh, but we also shared the real truth behind it so that people know like the, whether we want to call it karma or uh, simply balance returning, like it will come back on you. So mm-hmm. I guess at the end of the day, there's, we can protect our own energy when we put something out into the universe on social media or, you know, in any other way. (laughs) (laughs) And we can, we can give those caveats, but yeah, I do think about that a lot. I think it's, I think it's important to be conscious of that as spiritual teachers, like the power we have to, the power we can imbue others with, because we've been blessed with this, this gift of, I, I like that term, like a wisdom sharer. Like we, you know, I, I've always known I was going to be a teacher. I just was always, I've, I've been increasingly surprised in the way life has taken me on, on that journey, but it is a lot to consider. There's also, um, so there's a practice that one of my um, 
mentors, teachers in spirituality taught me. And she basically explained me the process of taking away the power of the practices that we share. And I've had had to do that twice now. And I don't like doing it. And I basically is cutting the cord of the supply of energy that you're giving through a lineage. Because as a as a teacher, as a mentor, you are opening your lineage to other people because your lineage are your teachers and your guides are your teachers and they're your support system and your students somehow indirectly access to that. And uh, my teacher taught me, this is how you do it. You only do, do it on extreme circumstances where you're basically just cutting the supply. And then after that, whatever they do, it is what they do is their karma, is their actions, is their responsibilities. But at least you have the responsibility that if you hear that what you're teaching is misused, then if this is somebody that is an active student, call them, have a conversation, how I can support you, how we can bring a little bit more balance to this. How can we see that there may be a triple karma spell will be better so that the person has consequences faster instead of trying to hurt their children or the spouses or breaking their marriages of all those things, right? That we could potentially do with witchcraft. Uh, and instead have those conversations. Maybe all they need is, just a hand. Maybe all they need is just to be heard. Maybe they just need somebody to have a compassionate conversation so that they can take out their pain and their pain comes into a healthy container instead of being reflected through toxicity. So I've, I've done that twice. And that was at the beginning of my practices, really like I've been, um, but actually probably this happened like 10 years ago. And these happened because I wasn't being careful in my own practice. Uh, like filters. I was not being really very mindful about it. I was being I was a newbie because I've been doing it for a really long time, but I was not being careful about my own ethical, like rules about the ethics that we have to follow. So what did I do? I did remedial actions. Now, if I teach deeper knowledge, like if I'm actually teaching how to manipulate energy, how to go into the chakras, how to go into this level, I have a full class on ethics. And we're going to talk and we're going to sit down two hours on ethics and maybe it's going to be boring for some people, but sorry, you cannot really go through the other uh, deeper knowledge if you're not going to have this yep. conversation with ethics. I have a whole class on ethics too. <laughs> and I learned because I got burned, right? Like my own, my own ignorance. I was, I was trying to do my best and I wasn't careful. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, I realized that. I also realized, for example, that not everybody is ready to go deeper so quick, that some people may need the information digested little by little so that it doesn't burn their channels. Because sometimes it's not gatekeeping it, but it's more of let's be sure that it's being received by you in a way that you're going to be able to digest it, yes. that you're going to be able to understand it, that it's not going to kick your ass so much that you're going to feel like you're spinning for three months because we know it happens, right? I also learned that. I used to be like, oh, here's all of it. I'm so excited that you're coming to this side and that you're going to be a witch and a healer and a shaman. Here's all of it. And then suddenly I was seeing people just on balance because yeah. it was so much I want like okay Wendy you need to take it easy pull back a little and I think that's that's where a lot of teachers get accused of gatekeeping when they're trying to actually protect the student they're trying to protect their own energy the student's energy the path so that they can you know here here's here's a drop of information digest that and then come back when you're ready you know or I'll give you more when I think you're ready type thing and I think that's that's a misleading um, accusation to accuse teachers of, of this gatekeeping in a negative connotation 
when they're just trying to protect you. <laughs> they're just yes, trying I don't wanna, to protect I don't want to see your candles blown so much that you get a fever. Like I don't want to see you so much in bed that you feel like you're sick, but it is because you have so much wisdom that you forgot that you're awakening in, from inside. It's going to take a toll. That's, Absolutely. Yeah. At, at least that's how I see it, right? Everybody's different. Real talk. Leandro and I could be trying to sell you socks or a VPN or that cereal everybody talks about, but we like to keep it witchy around here instead. And we can only do that because of the support of listeners like you. When you're joining my magical living community on Patreon, you're not only getting weekly shadow work journal prompts, new moon and full moon rituals, exclusive videos, exclusive meditations, plus bonus episodes of the Magic Kitchen podcast. But you're seriously keeping the lights on in the Magic Kitchen. Thank you for listening and reviewing the show. And if you're ready to meet me in the Magic Kitchen, pop over to patreon.com slash Elise Wells and start your free trial. Let's deepen your magical practice together. The other thing that I incorporate now a lot, which in my own cockiness on my 20s and, and teenager years, I used to think that journaling was kind of lame. I used to. I really did. Same. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my God, I have to sit down here and answer those questions for God's sakes. But now every single class that I do has a practice of journaling. And I'm like, we're going to have this knowledge that we're going to talk about then you're going to do your own journaling then you're going to do your own processing then you're going to do your own integration and then when that happens we go into the next lesson but I used to think it was lame honestly I I used to I used to which I feel so embarrassed now about it but oh don't because I think I think a lot of us go through that like we're like this is so stupid this is so lame (laughs) now I do journaling every single day like I literally I carve out an hour, well, actually two hours of my day. So, cause I go for a walk in the morning and then I literally plant myself at Panera <laughs> of all places. I grab my coffee because that's a routine now. So I go to the walk, go take my walk. I go get my coffee. I sit down with my journal and I sit there at, at Panera for an hour, every single morning. Like they know me. They're like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> you know, I find the booth in the back in the corner where nobody's going to bother me. And I journal and it's so profound because now I see the benefit of it after doing it for so long and making it a part of my life. And now I see the benefit. I hated it. Yeah. In my twenties, even my thirties, I hated it. I thought it was pointless. <laughs> Why am I wasting time with this? But now I was like, no, sorry. You're going to be in my classes. You're going to have to integrate. You're going to have to digest what you're learning. You're going to have to let us sink in. And I think the most important part of it is let us sink in in a way that you discover what it means to you. Because what it means to me may be very different to what it means to you. And the most important truth is your own truth. So you have to really figure out what this means to you, what it's going to do for you, what what it's bringing. And also, I think that in my own, I don't know, silliness of thinking that journaling wasn't important, I was also denying the emotional aspect of wisdom. That when we're learning something new, we have to defragment our ideas. We have to think, why am I now feeling like this when 10 years ago I was a different person and 15 years ago I was a different person and 20 years ago? And journaling gives you that capability of rediscovering who you are and questioning who you are and even questioning your lineage. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Journaling is one of the reasons of why now I prioritize self-care. Self-care was another one of the things that I thought were lame. Honestly, it's also (laughs) awful, but I used to think that you just have to keep going. I was all into this hustle culture. I was in tech. I was in tech for 20 years. I was a senior director in a company that did Tiver. And I had a pretty big job. I managed multi-million dollar projects and contracts. And I had a really big team. And I thought that the only way that I could be successful was to be in the hustle and not resting and not taking care of myself. Until one day, there I am, six months pregnant, It was 4 a.m. in the morning. I was still in the office with my legs up because my legs were so inflammated. Oh, my gosh. Pregnant and and be like, what the fuck am I doing? Why do I think that this is the way? This is so wrong. And I have to journal myself. Where is this coming from? Why do you think you have to burn yourself to ashes in order to be successful? And I realized, oh, that's because my abuela used to say, a descansar cuando se muera o a dormir cuando se muera. And this translates to you are going to rest when you die. Because our ancestors had to do that. Our ancestors had to deny so much of their own needs because of colonization, because of cultural and social programmings, because of everything else that was happening. And uh, they had to deny their own needs. They had to deny the rest. They had to deny their sleep. So I was doing it, perpetuating that idea of self-care is stupid. Why do I want to? take care of myself. Right, right. Oh, yeah. I had the same programming, the same messaging. Yeah. But I, I attribute it to my grandfather was, he was in world war two, then he owned his own business. Then he owned a farm. So I attribute it to, you know, all this. And even as a business owner today, like I, I, I fall into that, like, Oh, it's 4am let's go work, you know, <laughs> like, instead of just meditating or sitting there doing something else. So I, I'd have to really transition myself out of that mindset. It's it's a process. It takes time. And when you can do it. So that brings me to to ask you like what what led you to retiring from the Fortune 500 company and getting into what you're doing now. I'm curious. <laughs> um thank you for that question. It was several things. Since I was a child, I knew that I was supposed to do this, but I lied to myself for a really long time pretending that I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> that was the first. Like it was very clear to me since I was a child, the wind was sucking to me, the fire was sucking to me, the earth was sucking to me, water was sucking to me. And I had to tell other people that they can also talk to the elements, they can also talk to spirit. But then I first had this situation where I was six months pregnant with my legs up, working at 4 a.m. in the morning and asking myself, what the fuck am I doing? And then in 2018, I took my daughter and my husband to Merida, Mexico to experience Dia de Muertos. Uh, Luna, my daughter, is half Mexican, right? But she doesn't really get to experience a lot of her culture because we live in the U.S., we live in Virginia. And we go to Mexico sometimes, but not as much that she feels so connected to the roots except for what I shared with her. So I said, okay, she's she's still a baby, but let's start doing this practice where we go to Mexico. Um, and on the other Muertos of 2018, I had a dream, was it 18 or 19? I don't remember, time non-linear. Uh, I had a dream that my grandmother and her ancestors came to me and they told me that it was time. She said on my dream that it was time to do this. She said that I was meant to end what I was doing and fully convert into being a witch full time. 
So if you know something about brujería, curanderismo, Latin American practices, is that we are very respectful of our ancestors, right? Even if we don't like what they say, we at least hear uh, what they have to say. And in that dream, she told me certain things that I had to do. She gave me instructions. She told me which herbs I had to work with. She told me that I had to work with candles. With At that point, I had made candles for myself, but I never thought I wanted to make a candle for others. And I woke up and I'm like, mm, I'm going to think about it. Okay. This is my negotiation to my ancestors. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it. And then from there, she woke me up every single day at 4.44 a.m. Every single day for years until I say yes. Every single day. And he got, I think. He was not kidding around. (laughs) No, she was not walking around, no. And I think one of the things was my own subconscious processing the information of the big job that she was giving me the responsibility that she was giving me because it's a big it's a lot of responsibility and also me trying to figure out how am I going to make it happen because I've been in the corporate world for 20 years I have a good job I'm paid well I have the education blah 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 I created this entire identity for me and I'm supposed to what kill all of that to be the new person I don't think so so it took me a few years to process and integrate that then in 2020, silly Wendy, trying to negotiate with her ancestors, I told my grandmother, I'm going to do a retreat once a year, and I'm going to teach brujería once a year, and then that's me saying yes to what you're saying, and that's it. So I scheduled a retreat called Reclaiming the Bruja Power, Reclaiming Your Witch Power, basically, in the Mexican style. And the retreat sold out within 24 hours. So I added eight spaces to the retreat, and then it sold out within 24 hours. It was wild. It was at the beginning of 2020. That's amazing. I was like, okay, maybe I'm into something. And I went and I bought items to teach people in the class how to do oils, how to do their own candles, how to do these baths and all these things. And then the pandemic happens, right? So there I am returning everybody's money, uh, like canceling reservations, uh, doing all this process of people getting pissed off at me because I was telling them, no, you cannot come to Virginia. There is COVID. Like it was, it was insane. But I ended with all these articles in my kitchen. I, all these things, hundreds or thousands of dollars of items that I had bought for the retreat. So I started making things for myself and I started posting them on Facebook. And people started asking, can you sell it to me? I'm like, mm, no, no, I don't know. Oh, no, this is for a retreat that is going to happen one day. But people kept asking, do you want to sell it to me? Do you want to sell it to me? I was like, okay. So I opened a really tiny, tiny Shopify account. Um, account, And then my first batch sold out in an hour. And then my second batch sold out in an hour. And then my third batch sold out in an hour. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, maybe I'll do this a little bit. And then it kept just growing and growing and growing until at the beginning of 2021, I sat down and said, okay, grandma universe, if this is really what I'm meant to do, then you're going to have to supplement my income in a way that it's, it's at least half or more than what I'm doing on the corporate world. But it's better if it's even more, please, because I have a responsibility. I have a mortgage. I have a daughter. I have a husband. I, I am responsible also for my family. So is my husband, right? And he's an amazing man. But my own part. 
And I had this conversation with the universe and my grandma, like, if you really want me to do this, you're going to show it. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. It will be irresponsible. And I kid you not, the next day, one of her videos went viral in TikTok and it had 2.5 million views. And it was a very simple video of like me opening and closing a candle. It wasn't even like, wow. And that video created my first five figures month from like nothing. And then it's, we've been at least like, we've been five years since then every month. Like it's That's been great. very successful. So when I had that video going viral, I'm like, okay, I really cannot say anymore. No, because I asked for it and I got it. And now I have to show up for the call. So I resigned my job and I left uh, January 29, 2021. <laughs> That's amazing. That is seriously an incredible journey. And I think it's a testament to what happens when we when we do give that nod to the call. You know, it doesn't have to be a big resounding yes right away. And, you know, my call was like almost the opposite. Like I got this call and I said yes. And then it took years for it took 18 months for it to come to fruition. Like the call to move to Greece took 18 months to be possible. Um, but you when you're on that path, you know it. Like there's that that feeling of of permissiveness, but also openness. Like when we can be vulnerable with the universe like that and we can listen to our spirit guides. Um like I I also have had uh my grandmother as a guide for my whole life really. She died when I was very young. And um I've often realized since then because my family were expats and then I lived in lots of different places that she couldn't have come I think in a way her dying when I was younger brought us closer because she was able to come with me you know that wouldn't have been possible before and she was able to come with you in her own truth because she didn't have any of the social constructs and cultural constructs that exist when we're alive yeah it's almost weird when I learn things about what she was like because she died when I was six so I didn't know her as an adult like you know we weren't even close to being able to have that kind of equal relationship so when I hear what she was like as an adult and a person like you know I can go back to her in as my guide and kind of recognize like that those parts of her and the the human experiences of her like have really healed in her form now like that's just that's not really who she was then either you you know what I mean (laughs) it's incredible and going back to your original questions, um, original question, how you started this conversation today is how do we advise others to start their own path, right? Especially the path of Gruheria. I think the most important thing to do into the realization of this path is to figure out who we are. If we go deep and heal our own wounds, and release our own trauma and accept our own sacredness and divinity, then everything else is going to show up for you. Because if you are doing that work, shadow work, if you want to call it healing work, if you want to call it rediscovering, if you want to call it like that, then everything starts falling into place. The gifts start coming the right people start showing up in your path the right teachers the right students because we're all teachers we're all students i believe we're all equal and you cannot open your ears more 
Maybe the messages have been there for a really long time, but we didn't want to see them, hear them. And when we start doing the work, then we start seeing them and hearing them. I do advise and recommend that we find ethical teachers that will share some of their processes or systems. Is it necessary? No, because we're all whites and a lot of that power already is within. All of it is already within. You have to deconstruct that and awaken that. You have to. But also, I believe that an untrained witch is a dangerous witch. And if you don't have a system, if you don't have a process, you're going to use your own capabilities of manifestation for creating the wrong things. You're going to, instead of heal yourself, maybe you're going to make the wounds deeper. This is not from a place of fear, but this is just because we don't know yet how we manage our power, how we manage our magic. So we have to go find the the guides that resonate with us so that they can tell us, go there, go there, go there, or read these books. It doesn't even have to be taken class. It can just be read this book. This book is going to be a good starting point for you. Um, and also honor your ancestors. Figure it out where you're coming from. See who you are as a person, as an individual, as a soul in this body today. And then figure out who are your ancestors. Who was your grandmother, your grandfather? What is their trauma? What is their pain? What were their gifts? What was their magic? Who Did they talk to plants? Did they talk to the earth? Did they love the ocean? Who is your own ally? And go from there. Or if you are, in this case, a Mexican, right? So I know who are the deities that our ancestors used to talk to. So maybe have a conversation with them. This doesn't mean that you have to honor them and they have to be your deities, but just talk to them. Hey, deity X, Y, and Z, I heard that you're part of my lineage. Do you want to talk to me? <laughs> and have those conversations so that you can start embracing that. And trust in your own power. Trust that plants are going to talk to you. Fire is going to guide you. The earth is going to guide you. The wind is going to guide you. Go outside and talk to the wind. Talk to air. What does the air have to tell you today? And water and so on. Like the elemental forces are this ally that sometimes we forget we're on colonization right we forget their power so we want to go and have those conversations with the elementals so that the elementals can guide us in our own journey so that we can be our own selves because the best process the best wisdom the best system is the one that we discover for ourselves but first i advise that people goes and check the way that other people does it so that they can see if it's right for them too no, I, lo I love what you said about like going deeper and then talking to the elements and going into your lineage because so many of us are mutts, you know, <laughs> like, we have so many pieces of ourselves that are like spread across different lands and, you know, all, we all kind of ended up here. We didn't choose to be here necessarily, but we're here. So how do we use the essence of where we are now in connection to who our ancestors were and where they came from and how they got here. Like I, I, through my lineage, I found that a couple of my ancestors were run out of Wales and out of Scotland under the threat of witchcraft. So obviously this is a path that's deeply ingrained in my, in myself, in my ancestry. So I need to explore that. I need to understand that and the fear behind it too, which I noticed yeah. that you know, there's a lot of fear there with this path, even though I'm very open. Everything I do is related to witchcraft and my path. I teach, I make teas, I eat all this stuff. But there is a fear there always in the background because that part of my ancestry is still unwell. It's not completely whole. So part of my work is to heal that and to, you know, restore 
what my family experience, you know, not the experience, but restore their experience with witchcraft in a positive way and deal with the, the trauma that they experienced. I mean, they were literally run out of their homes and had to come here for it. So that's pretty traumatic. I think we discredit that sometimes. And I think a lot of people in America have, have that kind of, you know, we're all immigrants unless we're natives. So, you know, like, to speak to the mutt concept yeah like when I first started reading about the craft they were like don't mix pantheons I'm like well I'm a mix of everything like what do you mean like my mom is um English but like 400 years prior they came in the 1600s as religious oppressed and then on my dad's side he's a first generation and I'm a first generation he came from Greece but he's also half Egyptian he was a Greek Egyptian immigrant to Greece as well so even within that, it's like, it gets layered. So how can I pick one pantheon? How can I pick one practice? For me, the the answer to that has been the land, finding a connection to the spirits of place and working with land spirits and working with where I am, wherever that's been and noticing the difference. Spiritual travel is a big uniter of my path because like your story about your connection in France to uh, Mary Magdalene, I felt her presence too as a dark goddess. So I really love that you shared that. But like, it sometimes takes the new spirits of place to guide us in a new way. It takes taking us out of the familiar and out of the comfort zone, whether that's physical or, you know, just emotionally to really bring that uh, to our path and, and allow us to grow on our path. Oh. So I am currently writing a book about geolocation magic. And this is a concept that I experienced for myself. And I have seen some teachers talk about it too. I don't know if they assign necessarily that name or something else. But with the belief that in our many lifetimes, we have left codes of magic and energy around the world. And us traveler witches, we go through country to country to country to country, trying to find our own truth. And we have these places and spaces that we are calling to, that we don't know what we want to go there. We have no idea why we are meant to be there, but we just say yes to the call. And then we go to those spaces and then we go through transformations. Uh, So I always invite people to say yes to that call when they're feeling like they're guided to. Yeah, there is the spirits of the land and the spirits of the lands are so wise and so beautiful and they're amazing guys. But there is also all these other codes and pieces that we left around and we are going back to reclaiming those. And I, in my own theory of this, is that we were afraid of shining our life or light to the max. And we had to consciously fragment some of that wisdom and hide some of that wisdom around the world. And then we have to go back and reclaim those pieces. I also have seen this concept, not just around the world, but there are sometimes even trees in the area where we live. I feel sometimes that one of the trees are calling me and they're telling me, here's a piece of energy for you that you left years ago that I am the caretaker and you have to get it back. So I think that's one of the reasons. We don't, of course, necessarily have to travel. Not everybody has the ability to just pick their passport and go, right? But we can connect into the energy of those spaces through a map. You can have a map. I explained this in my book. 
You can have a map where you can scan with your hand or with a pendulum. You can do um, muscle testing. There's many ways of finding on this map where are these places and connecting energetically to these places and bringing back those pieces um, to connect you deeper. Ooh, I'm excited for this Ooh, book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because spirit-led travel is is kind of my word for that. But it, it is that. Like sometimes I, I'll see uh, an animal guide come to me in one way and then another way and then another way and then another way. And then I see something and it leads me to that place. Or um, it might be the place name itself comes to me in lots of different ways. Like it, it can be very direct. It can be very meandering. Um, and it is something to chart. It's very, well, that's exciting. I'm really excited for your book. It's something that I don't see enough conversation about, even in my own messaging, like online, like there's no hashtags I can use. There's no conversations already being had. Like we have to start that conversation in a way that the algorithm might notice and <laughs> get people into the conversation with us, but it's, it's coming. It feels very much in the zeitgeist actually, even though like it's not public yet. It's brewing to use ah, the witchy word. I love the culture is brewing. The word. Yeah. The first time I teach, I thought this concept, even though I have practiced it myself for a long time, but I was doing a class uh, back in March called the society of wealthy witches. And this was all about honoring our own abundance, not necessarily just the abundance of money, but abundance in general, abundance of love, of joy, of money, of wisdom, all of it. And I flew through uh, to Switzerland because I was checking what is the place that has the most abundance, the energy of abundance. And for me, it came Switzerland, which makes a lot of sense. And we went to this um, mountain and I went to talk to the mountain. It was cold, so cold, that it was like this 3,333 altitude uh, mountain. And I talked to the mountain to show me a the abundance vortex that was on the top of her and we did this work together with the energy of the mountain and these vortex and I brought that vortex back for my class so I was teaching people this is a vortex that I created with this mountain because you say yes to us and I was teaching the process of how you connect to that energy and the beauty of it is that it was a perfect perpetual vortex it's going to always be there because it was a self-sustained vortex it wasn't the type of vortex that I was creating or somebody was creating it was the strength of the land and if you take a look on to Switzerland, um, energetically, you can see this like big matrix of abundance on the top of it. There's some countries that have it. Uh, Norway also has this like matrix of abundance on the top of it. But I wasn't invited to Norway. Norway didn't tell me come here. It's just Switzerland was the one that was like, come here, come here. So we went. <laughs> That's so funny. That was one of the first places I actually it was the first place I was called to when I moved to Greece. So obviously I was called to Greece first, but um, it was that the lion actually in Luzerne, there is a lion statue on yes. the wall of the lake. Yeah, that I, I saw it in my mind's eye. I was at my altar meditating and I was like, that's, that's weird. It's a lion carved in a wall, in a cave wall, I thought. And then I saw it other ways, like repeatedly until I was like, all right, let me look. And then the week I said, okay, fine. I have this week free. I could go that was when the flights were like half price, like everything just aligned for that to be my first destination. And that's, yeah, that's amazing. What are the odds of that? 
Yeah, it is. Like Maybe I, they're not odds. It's the spiritual no, fact. It's just like that's, <laughs> that's how we're guided, right? When we're in this path, we just see the signs over and over and over and over. And the the funny part is that they become louder and louder too. So you better listen to the signs because they're gonna come just eventually with a speakerphone in your face screaming at you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, that was like one of them. And then uh I am still to explore more that connection with Carcassonne because when I was having this vibrations coming to me and frequencies talking, I was also with my daughter who was 18 months at the time or two years or something. So there was just so much time and energy that I had for the conversations of the spirits that were talking to me. So I had to say, I honor you. I see you. I'm going to start connecting to you, but I have to go back home because I'm with my baby and then one day I'm going to come back with her either older or in a way that I have space for myself to really go through this deep connection. So I had to say just a little bit right now, not fully in right now because I have to be a functional mother right now. And um, the beauty of it is that that archetype that I was talking to me was like, okay, I'll see you soon. (laughs) That is really cool. Since recording this episode, Wendy's passion for education has brought all three of us together in new ways. Leandra, myself, Wendy, and dozens of other witches and practitioners have put together a collection of over 55 courses and workbooks as a Yule bundle. From December 12th to the 15th of 2023, access over $2,000 worth of content for just $100. Jumpstart the new year with this special Yuletide offer, only available from the 12th to the 15th. More info at the link in the episode description. So, Wendy, tell us where we can find you and how people can can connect with you and your courses. Thank you. Uh, My website is bruja.us, B-R-U-J-A.us. That's the hard one if you don't speak Spanish. Uh, We also have witch.institute. That's easier. Uh, instead of witch.institute.com, because people sometimes do that, don't do that, it's witch.institute. Uh, but we're moving or bruja.us to witch.institute. And the reason why we're doing that, it's because um, sometimes it's really hard for people from all over the world to connect to the word bruja, even that it is a very inclusive uh, word in a way. So it's just going to be redirecting to there, which is where all my classes are going to be. Um, I also have a community, it's called Mujer Luna International Coven, which is Woman of the Womb uh, Coven, where we gather twice a month with uh, speakers and teachers from all over the world. They come and talk to us about their traditions. The most beautiful part about this community, I believe, is the fact that it's global. I'm a global person, so I believe that there's wisdom in all practices and in all cultures, and I also believe that it is important to give a platform to teachers from all cultures and all practices to come and share their wisdom, because there may be some people that is guided to this these teachings. So it's more of a... Um, circle a global circle of spiritual practices and so we have different teachers from all over the world we have people from um 
We actually have a teacher that lives in Greece right now. Uh, we have people from Argentina that did a class. We had Madame Pamita who did a class about Ukrainian magic. I have had people that thought about Canadian magic and Celtic magic and all sorts of like really cool classes. So we have that. So if there's anybody that is looking to um, gain more wisdom from the global practices of the world and they want to do it in a systematic way, in a container that is safe, that is soft, that is embracing, then um, I have that community. And I also have a series of free workshops that happen uh, the first, not the last Monday of the month. It's called Bruja Lab. And I basically just do a one hour class once a month. That is a free class. We have hundreds of people attending and I talk about different topics. My The last one that I did, so a few weeks ago, uh, my class was about solar magic. There's not a lot of information about solar magic. We all work with the with the moon, but not a lot of people work with the energy of the sun. So I did a class about solar magic. My next class is going to be about uh, aura clearing and limpias, which is the the Latin American way of cleansing your aura and your chakras. But it's a very global class in a way. After that, I believe I'm going to be talking about spiritual protection. There's a lot of classes there that come. So, um, um, but for a complete calendar and schedule, this is going to be um, available in witch.institute. If you want to email me directly, I'm always happy to support you in any way I can. You can uh, email us at support at bruja.us is the word support at and then b-r-u-j-a dot u-s and we will get to uh, your questions as soon as possible we receive a lot of emails so just be patient you can also find us in tiktok at bruja power and you can find us bruja power botanica and you can find us as bruja power in instagram awesome thank you thank you for being here and we're really excited for your book coming out as well. <laughs> Thank you. It's still in the making. We have another one coming in March. It's going to be published in March, um, which is more on the basics, just to give people a structure on how to start the path. Um, it's a, I have a class called Becoming the Witch. So we're taking some of the wisdom from that class and we put it in a book form just so for people to have some of the basics, how they can make their own candles, their own oils, how they can do their ancestor altars, how they can connect to magic in their own way, brujeria style, but also other styles, global styles. So that's going to come in March. And then geolocation is going to come um, at the end of next year. Really cool. Awesome. Looking forward to all of it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Mary meet, Mary part, and, and Mary meet, meet again. again. Thank you for joining us on the Magic Kitchen podcast. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, for news, information, and more episodes. I'm Elise Wells, and I can be found at Seeking Numina on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and seekingnumina.com. That's Seeking N-U-M-I-N-A.